It is very sad when you look at the fact that these individuals have at some point signed a blank check to do anything and everything up to their death to serve our country. And sometimes it doesn't appear that they get served for doing that work. Well, greetings, everybody, and welcome to Buzz for Good, where we talk all things nonprofit, the people they serve, and the good they do. And on this Memorial Day weekend special of Buzz for Good, I want to feature nonprofits that serve veterans and all those who have served our country in the military. So today, I will talk to four nonprofits Healing Strides of Virginia, the least of these homeless ministry, Total Action for Progress, and Stop Soldier Suicide. These nonprofits work each day to help veterans with housing, food, transportation, and healing, and in the extreme, from harming themselves. You will not want to miss any of these conversations, especially my conversation with Stop Soldier Suicide. But before we get to these, I am Michael Hemphill, creator and host of the TV show Buzz that airs on Blue Ridge PBS featuring nonprofit organizations and the marketing professionals who donate their time and talent helping these nonprofits achieve more buzz. We have produced 31 episodes to date and we are currently working on two new episodes that will air in late June on Blue Ridge PBS. On June 21st, Buzz will feature arts and economic development in Roanoke, which we're producing in partnership with the Roanoke Cultural Endowment. And on June 28th, our episode starring the YMCA of Virginia's Blue Ridge will air in partnership with Freedom First Credit Union. You can stay connected to Buzz for Good throughout the week on our website, buzzforgood.com. That's buzz, B-U-Z-Z, number four, good.com, as well as our social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube, all at Buzz for Good. And on YouTube, you can watch all 31 of our episodes including our very first, which starred the nonprofit that we start today's Memorial Day weekend special, Healing Strides of Virginia. And here is a clip from that episode in which we meet Healing Strides veterans coordinator at the time, who shares his emotional story of post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, and the horses who saved him. And following that will be my conversation with Executive Director Carol Young. Hello. Hey, I'm Jason. I'm Becky Fremont. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you. I'm the Veterans Coordinator here at the barn. Let me take you to my horse, introduce you to him. Jason is our Veteran Coordinator, and for our veterans, it's the second largest population that we serve here. Must be the big fellow staring at us right now. Willie, we match each other, big fellow to big fellow. (laughs) I love it. Well, so I understand you're, um, you were a client and now you're a horse owner and an employee and you've kind of evolved. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's, been a, it's been a huge transition for me in my life. I was stationed at Campbell, at Fort Campbell in Kentucky. I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, major depressive disorder, intermittent explosive disorder, you name it. I had four suicide attempts. I've been in a coma twice. When you get out, you're like, I don't, 
I don't know what to do anymore. Who am I? Yeah, like, I can't tell my wife. Baby, you mean the world to me. Like, you're everything that I've ever wanted. And, and you lose that way to just come up and give your kid a hug and embrace him and pull him tight and tell him daddy loves you more than anything. What he sees is dad coming in, maybe going to the refrigerator, grabbing a beer and going downstairs in the basement and watching TV. Not because he doesn't want to be around, because he doesn't know how to talk anymore or share his feelings because it's like this right here. Did you ever imagine that an animal of any kind, a horse, would be what got you to no. where you are today? I was sitting right there in that spot. And uh, it was the anniversary of a pretty traumatic event for me. And Bounder come up to me and he drops his head right on my shoulder and he breathes out, telling me it's gonna be okay. And if I start crying and I get angry, it's gonna be okay. For some reason, the good Lord decided that I needed to be here, and I think I found what it is. If we help one person, you know, or let one someone know that they matter for nothing else, but, you know, they are who they are, and they're a person, and God loves them, and so do I. It is wonderful to be able to reconnect here on Bus for Good with, with my good friend, Carol Young, who is the executive director of Healing Strides of Virginia. Carol, good to see you again. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on again. It's always wonderful to be with you, Michael. Well, thank you. And, and you know, whenever I think about veterans and veterans who need help from nonprofits here on Memorial Day weekend, I inevitably go back to the work of Healing Strides and the incredible story that we heard from Jason, who mm. you know, was um, such an integral part of that episode. How's he doing, by the way? He's doing good. He is um, a worship pastor at a church, mm. and he's got his own horses, and he, he's doing well. Co COVID kind of threw our veterans for a loop again, but they're starting to come back around. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, why don't we talk about that? When you say COVID threw your veterans for a loop, how so? So, you know, veterans like and want, they think that they should isolate. Mm. And that's one of the worst things you can do for a veteran with trauma. Mm -hmm. They want to go hide in their basement or in their man cave. And COVID told them to do just that. Mm. Stay home. Yeah. And so to get them back active again and get them back out, uh, we're just this year really seeing motivated veterans to get back out again. Uh, so that that over the years has been a challenge. But like I said, they're finally coming back out into the world, which is awesome. Well, you know, share with listeners, for those who don't know about Healing Strides, exactly what service you, you provide generally and then specifically for veterans. We are a 501c3 nonprofit. And we offer equine assisted services, which is a, a big way of saying everything we do here, we do with a horse, because I believe power of what horses bring to a relationship is something that we can all learn from. 
Our mission is to serve people with personal challenges who can benefit from equine-assisted activities and therapies in a safe and supportive environment. And that safe and supportive environment is what our veterans are really looking for, is to have a safe place. Our largest population are children with autism, and then our second largest population are veterans. Mm. And we don't just serve the veteran, Michael, as you know, we serve their families. And that has become very, very critical uh, part of our mission here this over the last year. Well, so how do you serve veterans through horses? We offer different levels of service. Um, we have a drill team that our veterans for, um, we just had a military appreciation day on armed services day. And the drill team was able to um, show their drill in front of about a hundred people, which was awesome. So they can do riding where they're learning skills and horsemanship skills. And what we know that the benefit of that is you're building a relationship because riding a horse is all about trust and relationship. And these very tough, hard men and women, but more the men are very hard sometimes. The women are a little softer to begin with, but not always. But they find that soft place with the horse. And that helps them with their children. That helps them with their spouse. Mm. And we also do psychotherapy. We also do mental health coaching. We also do uh, equine assisted learning where maybe they just need some life skills. And that's where the horse is at liberty to move around freely and interact. But again, it's about relationships and metaphors and stories. Because what we know through narrative therapy and some other models is that if I can change my story, I can change my outcome. Mm. And if I can change my outcome, I can change. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine there's also something kind of tactile about a horse that just the the touch that oftentimes I could, I could foresee, maybe I'm, you know, portraying too much here, but I could see a veteran who is withdrawn, just not really having the opportunity just to touch another living thing. And that a horse, there's a connection that's made there that is therapeutic in its own way. Absolutely. And that's that relationship piece. A horse is non-judgmental. They accept you where you are exactly in that moment. A horse is very, very present and they require you to be present. Mm -hmm. And that's something that veterans aren't all the time. They're not present. They drift off into the places that are dark and the horse brings them back. And it's through that touch. It's through the sound. It's through the smell. It's through the sight. But a horse requires you to be present. And that's a really big healing part of what happens with the horse and the veteran is that connection piece and and the energy. They they read our energy levels and we respond to them. And and even the energy that the beat and the rhythm of our heart puts out interacts with the rhythm and the beat of the heart that the horse puts out. Mm. And, And a lot of times our veterans will say that they find peace and calm with the horses. And and there's been some heart uh, ratio studies done that actually show that that is physiologically what happens is our heartbeat slows down in the presence of horses. Uh, And when our heartbeat slows down, we do feel at peace and calm. Oh, beautiful. Well, I notice, um, you know, that on your website, when you have your staff, which is very common with any organization, your staff includes the humans who actually work there, but then also photos and names of all the horses. Of course. <laughs> which which I just love. I mean, there is much uh, 
They absolutely are. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, they, they work here. We interview them. There's an interview process for our horses mm-hmm. and they can choose just like humans to accept this job or not. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and they have their own temperaments that may make them more or less suited to. That's work. exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. I would love, I have a story that is a new story that's just happened, which is just an amazing thing to me. If, if you have a minute, I'd love to share it with you. I do, but real quick, let me reintroduce you here. I'm talking with Carol Young, Executive Director of Healing Strides of Virginia, here on our Memorial Day special, talking about uh, nonprofits that serve veterans. And what's your story? Oh, wow. So our very first veteran that we served, Michael, was a gentleman that had done six tours in Afghanistan and Iraq. And he came back and he just was very dark and and had that thousand mile stare. And and, and, and why? Why was that? Because he had trauma and he had complex trauma. Mm -hmm. And he, he said to me, I don't know what to do. And I quickly put him to work on the farm mowing and helping mend fences and, and great things like that. And as the story goes, and a lot of people have heard the story because it was 15 years ago. He said to me one day, and he, most of our conversation had been whatever I said, he would say, yes, ma'am. And he would go do it. Well, one day he said to me, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure. And he said, I have a daughter. She's 11 years old. She's afraid of me. Mm. But I think if I could get her to see me with the horses, maybe she wouldn't be afraid. Mm. Would it be okay if I brought her down here? And I said, absolutely. That would be awesome. So she started coming down here, did lessons, and it healed their relationship. Well, what's phenomenal about that is 15 years later, this young lady is studying social work at college and applied to do her internship here. as a young adult. Mm. And I just have been blown away at how this has come full circle that we have chosen to help veterans and their families. And here, this child is giving back to us as an intern. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy good? (laughs) What is their relationship like now? It's beautiful. They have a fantastic relationship. And and not that dads and daughters don't have disagreements. It's not perfect. (laughs) None of those relationships are, right? As as Uh, a man with three daughters, I I get it. (laughs) Right, exactly. Uh, But it's a great relationship. Mm. And and so to me, that has just been so beautiful to have her come back here and apply to do her internship here. And that she understands and values the work that we do. Oh, that's outstanding. Thank you for sharing. Do you do you find yourself or do you find um, veterans, adult veterans, having different needs or characteristics than perhaps civilians who come? Absolutely, they do. Yeah. Okay. Um, when a human goes and does and sees things that a civilian never does or sees. Uh, You have grown men that are afraid of laughing children. Um, They're terrified of laughing children. Because where they were serving, children were used as pawns to carry bombs. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, it, It is understanding a culture 
that we really, it's so foreign to what we know if we're not accustomed to that world um, and what they've been through. There are what are called moral injuries because they had to do what they had to do. There was a young man that um, I had known. He was a best friend of one of my sons and he had gone and served and, and I saw him in church one time and he had that thousand mile stare. And I said, are you okay? And he said, no, Carol, I'm not. And I said, well, you know that um, you are doing what I can't go do. And you are keeping us safe here at home. And I appreciate that because I don't want to have to go do that. Mm -hmm. And he just cried and gave him a big hug. And he said, can I share that with my buddies? And I said, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And a couple months later, I saw him and he said, "I, I can't tell you how many people I've told that to because they didn't understand that's how you all felt here. Mm. And I said, it is. Yeah. It is how we feel. We appreciate that you're doing a job we don't want to do. Yeah. Mm. Yep. And uh, they they come back different, Michael. I have, I have tried to get um, in front of as many young people before they go to say, you're going to, you're going to see some things. You're going to do some things. It's going to change who you are as a human. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you need to come back and have a soft place to land, know where to go to get support, know how to reconcile the things that have happened to you and around you and to your friends and to your buddies. Yeah. Uh, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Does it ever make you angry? And once again, we're talking with Carol Young, Executive Director of Healing Strides of Virginia. Does it ever make you angry that nonprofits like Healing Strides are needed to care for veterans when, and and our government isn't already caring for them? Oh, that's a, something I've never thought of. Um, anger is probably not a place I go. Yeah. Um, I, I am thankful that we have places like Healing Strides that are available because I don't believe the government can fix it. I don't think they have the ability or the insight or, or um, I think it's the, it's the insight. They, they, it is such a personal um, walk and journey for these men and women. Right. And they need to be in civilian life. They don't need other more government military yeah. <laughs> minded people, <laughs> um, you know, trying to do it and and you have the VA the VA does a super job you know they're trying to do a super job yeah. um, and and their heart is in the right place and there's some fantastic people there right but these men and women need to be with normal everyday men and women and we need to learn how to value what they've given and so I think it it angers probably not the response I have it's more concern for an understanding of something that we don't always give proper value to maybe is the response I have. Yeah. As we close up here with Carol Young, Executive Director of Healing Strides of Virginia. Carol, any parting thoughts about veterans, people who serve in the military based on your experience at Healing Strides? Yeah, I, 
I have one more um, area of concern, which is the spouses of our military. Mm. Um, I have had the honor to be able to work with a couple of veterans, one of which a spouse has committed suicide. Wow. And I think so often the spouse goes unrecognized and unheard, and yet they're typically the primary caregiver of our veterans. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, one of the things we have chosen to do here at Healing Strides is offer a spouse's support group. And we're going to be kicking that off in June Mm. um, because I think it's so important uh, for people to know that we're not just here for the veteran. We're here for the whole family. Mm-hmm. And the spouses are a lot of times silent and we need to give them a voice. Um, and I think that, you know, supporting the entire family is how we're going to get things to be better. Now from horses to homelessness, we turn to the least of these ministry in Roanoke, which we featured in March on our TV show buzz And here is a clip featuring one of the too many veterans who have had to seek services from the least of these. And then following that is my conversation with Executive Director Dawn Sandoval. My name is Thomas D. Miller. I have a good employment record. I've worked most of my years out of high school, and I've worked with people. I've tried to be a good employee and at this point just uh, fell upon some hard times. It's tough. Uh, Sometimes you're on the street, sometimes you're in the mission. Like I said, they uh, provide the warm bus here for winter months. As a veteran of the United States Army National Guard and a unit that went to Iraq, the 200th MP unit of Salisbury, Maryland, I am a veteran. All right, joining me here on Buzz for Good, talking about veterans here on Memorial Day weekend is Dawn Sandoval, Executive Director of The Least of These, which is a homeless ministry in Roanoke. Dawn, welcome. Hey, Michael, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, and thank you for all the work that you do, which we got to feature earlier this year on our TV show, Buzz. And in that episode, we actually interviewed a gentleman who is a veteran, and I'm wondering, Do you recall the first veteran that you served at the least of these? Cool. Um, The very first veteran. Or have there been too many? There have been too many Mm -hmm. to remember that. I mean, our ministry is 12 years old. So unfortunately, we have served a lot of veterans um, over the years. Is there one particular story that stands out to you in thinking about the veterans you've served? Absolutely. Um, Joshua um, is one of the most touching stories that I have experienced dealing with a veteran. Um, He is 41 years old, and when we made his acquaintance, he was sleeping on Church Avenue, um, struggling with heroin and meth addiction, and Our ministry helped get his ID for him. And it happened to be that we were out on the ministry truck 
about 10 o'clock one night and I had received his ID that day and I dropped it off to him. And he just couldn't believe that we would come looking for him to bring him something like his ID. And so he started coming to our building for showers and laundry and um, he decided he was going to get clean. So he stopped using drugs and mm. um, we were able to help him get into permanent housing and we <clears throat> gave him furniture and he began coming to our ministry building every day that we were open and even helping me on days that we weren't open um just serving and serving and serving the very population that he was a part of and wow. um he is doing well two years later and flourishing. He moved to North Carolina to be, you know, to help his mom. And we still keep in touch with him. He's a part of our family. Mm. Mm. So he came to you basically maybe through some drug addiction. What are some other issues that veterans have been confronting uh, that have led them to being homeless and then seeking your services? Well, dealing with this same story Joshua actually struggled with addiction because he was injured. Um, he served in Afghanistan and, uh, I'm sorry, Kosovo and Iraq, and he was injured during battle um, while operating a tank. And that is how he met addiction. Mm -hmm. He also struggles with severe PTSD. Mm -hmm. um, we have served quite a few veterans that um, suffer with alcohol addiction due to post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, we currently serve a Vietnam veteran who is in his mid-70s that has been living on the streets for years. Um, and he comes to our building and uses our services. He has a locker where he keeps his belongings. Um, he just struggles with being housed. Yeah. And um, so we just meet him where he's at. Yeah. So uh, you provide a variety of services for people who are homeless. Are, do mm -hmm. you find um, veterans having some unique challenges? I mean, obviously, you've got some PTSD from just serving uh, overseas in battle. I mean, are there other unique challenges to veterans? Um, I think adjustment is sometimes a, a issue, you know, just adjusting to civilian life when they have lived a military life, um, having difficulty adjusting to finding employment um, when they've had certain responsibilities in the military, it becomes more difficult to find employment. Um, well, talk about that a little bit. What do you mean? Like, Because I, I would think that someone who has served in the military would make an ideal employee. Well, they have specific responsibilities in the military, but many of those responsibilities don't line up with civilian employment. Um, you know, they're doing things specifically to military. So when they have spent years doing those uh specific jobs, there's not really civilian jobs that often line up with those I skills. See. Yeah. Yeah. You're so, not too many opportunities to drive a tank or to. Right. <laughs> right. You know. 
yes, th those types of things, you know, here in the States. Yes. And oftentimes um, veterans that might be in our city are not from here. So sometimes it's challenging mm. to get the okay. identifications required, like birth certificates from other states. That's always a huge challenge. Um, you know, we are blessed to have uh, uh, an amazing Veterans Administration here. So, you know, we try to direct them to where they can get their DD-214 to help them you know, prove their their service and their discharge status so that we can help them utilize some of the resources locally to secure housing. Um, but but those are some of the challenges that take longer to overcome when you're when you're not from Virginia necessarily. Right, right. Yeah. And sometimes they don't have the support services How, for whatever reason that brings them here to Virginia. Maybe they don't have the family, the friends network that they had maybe prior to serving in the military here locally and whatever, however life brought them here, suddenly those resources are not available and they're having to fend for themselves. Correct. And some of them also actually come to Virginia because of our local VA hospital. Hmm. They're getting uh, medical or psychiatric services through the hospital and they don't have a support system locally. I see. So, so they've been they're assigned, here alone. They've been assigned here, for lack of a better term, to receive treatment through the VA in Salem. Uh, and here they are then with perhaps few other resources outside of the Salem VA. Correct. I've actually come across several veterans that are here strictly to get treatment from the VA hospital, and they are living outdoors to get that treatment. Mm. I mean... It's kind of sad that we live in a country that requires so many nonprofits to serve and help veterans, as opposed to just that being part of their ongoing, I guess, military service, making sure that our government provides them with the help that they need post their service. It is very sad when you look at the fact that these individuals have at some point signed a blank check to do anything and everything up to their death to serve our country. And sometimes it doesn't appear that they get served for doing that work. Dawn, any parting thoughts, your your view of veterans and how it's been shaped by the work that you do at the least of these homeless ministry? Personally, we always let every veteran that comes into our building know that we appreciate their service. Um, their sacrifice, and we always are brokenhearted by any person experiencing homelessness, but especially people that have served our country so that we can have the rights and the privileges that we get to experience every day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it's always hard to see somebody that has served our country come in and be experiencing homelessness and living outdoors. And, you know, we give it a hundred percent helping every person, regardless of whether they're a veteran or not, but veterans do have a special place in my heart. You know, my dad was a Marine. My grandfather was a world war II veteran. Um, and my husband is a air force and an army veteran. So my, my stepson is in the Navy. We are, 
very, very much a military family. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we want the people that we serve that are veterans that have served our country to know that we appreciate their services and we want to do all we can to help them overcome the less than ideal circumstances they're currently living in. Hmm. Well put. Well put. Well, Dawn Sandoval, Executive Director of the Least of These Homeless Ministry in Roanoke, thanks so much for your time and sharing with us your views of veterans here on Memorial Day weekend. Thank you so much, Michael, for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you again for tuning in to our Memorial Day special of Buzz for Good, featuring nonprofits who help veterans. And from Healing Strides of Virginia and the least of these, we now head over to Total Action for Progress and director of its This Valley Works program, Joe Nelson. Total Action for Progress can be found at tapintohope.org. That's T-A-P-I-N-T-O. H-O-P-E dot O-R-G. And I start off by asking Joe about her most memorable veterans story. Our supportive service for veterans families program, which is a, a housing program for homeless vets, probably is the, the project that stands out in my mind when you talk about truly being able to help someone. And there's a vet that we've worked with for the last five or six years. He came to us um, living on the street, uh, very embarrassed. He had lost a job, um, ended up losing his, his apartment. Um, mm -hmm. We worked with him to get him back into an apartment helped him find a job. And um, about a year ago, he came back in to see us and he was buying his first home. Oh, wow. Um, and so to see him go from on the street and in that short time period, not only stabilizing in rental apartment, but being able to save enough money um, and get a good enough job that he was investing in his first home. Um, and he came by with the keys in hand um, to share with us that he really would have never been able to own this home without coming to tap. Mm. Um, you know, and he really did the work himself. We really just helped him get a start on, on the road to getting the house. Um, but to see him as a homeowner um, and a businessman in this community is a great thing. Well, kudos to you guys. Yeah. Uh, Share briefly this the full range of services that you provide for the community in general, but uh, veterans in particular. Okay, and I think I'll start with veterans in particular because I think I think we'll spend more time on that. So this program I was just talking about, supportive services for veterans' families, is really to work with veterans who are either homeless already or who are at risk of being homeless because of. Um, eviction, or in a lot of cases, we see a change in the family, like someone in the family dies and the rest of the family can't figure out how to afford where they live or different things. And so we're able to provide not only emergency rent and assistance, but counseling, help them look for apartments, work with them on transportation and food and other supportive things that they need to make that transition and to stabilize in their own place. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a really great, it actually serves um, the 20 jurisdictions around the Roanoke Valley. Wow. Um, and so a really broad 
reaching program. Why do we live in a country that allows our veterans to have to struggle with homelessness and transportation and food and and, and I think I I don't think it's the country totally, okay. but I think um, there are some flaws in the system and how we look at things. But there are also flaws on the veteran side. So so and I I, I feel like I have to say it. Yes, the system's not perfect. Um, mm-hmm. The VA has made lots of changes over the years. Um, to ensure that they're looking closer. And one of the things I have a staff person that can do is to go back and question the benefits that the veteran left the service with, to look to see if they missed anything, to look to see if their benefits package has changed over the years since they've left. Many of the veterans we find in this situation truly are older veterans, and they haven't gone back and said, but wait a minute, why did I get denied for this? Or now can I qualify something in my life has changed? So so I think it's partially the system. Um, I think the other thing we see with a lot of the veterans is they're embarrassed to admit that they need help because they have been seen and been put on a pedestal, which is really cool and they deserve that for their service. Um, But in some cases, they're embarrassed to admit that they're in crisis or that they don't know how to get help um, or that um, in some cases... Um, they truly have medical conditions that now make them so that they can't provide for themselves. And that's a very humbling experience for a lot of the veterans. Um, um, And so it's hard for them to ask. It's amazing how many veterans we finally get in our offices that tell us they have never applied for VA benefits or have never asked for help. Wow. Um, until they became homeless and realized they had no options left. And so so lots of reasons, yeah. lots of reasons for it. Um, and so we always just encourage reach out to someone, you know, even if they don't want to say I'm a veteran in crisis, tell someone that they have a problem and that they need some help. Is there one veteran story who comes to mind that maybe you weren't successful in helping due to whatever circumstance and maybe sure. Yeah. Sure. Actually one of my very first um, cases and, and uh, for our staff, a very difficult case. And and I have to tell you, I'm not going to call it an unsuccessful case because success is really in the eye of the veteran. Mm. We had an older veteran again, he was a Vietnam war veteran who came into our program um, and was living in his van and, you know, moved from um, rest area to rest area, would go from one rest area, stay a couple of days and move to another rest area or another parking lot. Um, And he came in for some assistance and some help. Um, And initially we helped him get his van fixed and on the road because his original conversation was, you know, I really wanna be able to, to go home. Um, And we were thinking, okay, he wants to move to another area or another state. But what we learned over time was his van truly was what he considered home. Mm. Um, So our staff had worked with him. We had found an apartment here. We had found a job for him. Um, He accepted the job and worked and went in every day. But every afternoon we found he was coming back into our office um, just drinking a cup of coffee, talking to the staff, and and then headed out in the evenings. Um, and the apartment complex called us and said, you know, he never came and got his apartment. We, we're concerned. 
And what we found once we asked him about it was he said, I feel safer and I still have freedom living in my van. I really don't want to be in an apartment. I don't feel safe there, but I'm working my job and now I can afford to do the things I want to do to be safe and secure and live a healthy life inside my camper van. That was a hard, hard story and a hard lesson for the staff. Right. But because, he because truly you, 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 was you feel happy. Like you, yeah, you feel like you've got the answers for them rather than trying to uh, achieve the answers that they want. True. And what we had to realize yeah. and had to help the staff realize is only that person can make the decision. And there are veterans and other homeless people who prefer to have that freedom and to have that life. Um, we know he's safe. We've heard from him several times. He checks in regularly. And so he is very happy and contented and safe in the lifestyle that he's picked for himself. And so so we've resolved ourselves to that. But that that was a, a tough case to get through. Mm-hmm. Uh, for us civilians, and once again, I'm talking with Joe Nelson, who is the uh, director of TAP, Total Action for Progress, uh, This Valley Works. And Joe, you know, for us civilians, um, how can we best help, you know, veterans who are struggling uh, from some aspect of their service and help TAP in general? Sure, and I think think it's really about um, honoring their service that gets a lot it helps build that relationship with veterans and then help them feel that it's normal to have problems or issues and then really refer them back to either to the VA medical center or to us or to someone else who works with vets. We have um, several things we can do with them. We've talked about the supportive service program. We also have an employment program that is specifically designed to retrain Uh, or to take the training that a veteran had in the military and help them find a a good, um, sustainable um, life wage job. So if they need employment, they can come in to see us. Um, We also, and and something new to our agency, uh, whether a veteran is homeless or not, we also offer money management coaching free of charge um, to veterans. And so regardless of their income level, Um, or what they want to save for, or if they just need to help figure out bills. Uh, We have professional trained staff who will do money management counseling sessions with them by phone, virtually or in person to try and help them work through those issues. But it's really about supporting them and helping them understand that having issues and concerns is a normal thing and that all of us have them, not just vets, Mm -hmm. uh, and that they aren't seen any differently by us that their service is still just as important to us even if they're struggling now Hmm. well joe nelson thank you so much again for coming on to buzz for good and talking about all the work that total action for progress or tap is doing to help our region's veterans who are struggling with aspects of their service here on memorial day weekend great thank you so much for having me on All of the nonprofits that we have featured on this Memorial Day weekend special of Bus for Good work each day to help veterans live. But our final conversation today highlights a nonprofit 
that strives to simply keep veterans from killing themselves. Stop Soldier Suicide is a national organization headquartered in North Carolina. And here is my conversation with Chuck Eastman, Director of Strategic Partnerships for Stop Soldier Suicide. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, veterans are twice as likely to die by suicide than their civilian counterparts. Since 2001, over 125,000 veterans have died Mm. by suicide. Mm. And if you look at the post 9-11 veterans, uh, it's nearly four times the number of veterans that have died in combat in active duty. And that was really my call to action. I retired out of active duty. I learned about the organization. I learned about some of the unique techniques for acquiring clients and some of our uh, evidence-based practices to treat them. And I knew I wanted to get involved. Uh, so I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk more about it today. Sure, sure. What is the reason that, well, you know, veterans are inclined to commit suicide and why those who have served, you know, post 9-11 have been four times as more likely to do so? The reasons are many. Um, there's one of one of our advisors on our scientific advisory committee wrote a book called Rethinking Suicide. And he said that suicide is a wicked problem and a, a wicked problem is further defined as a series of messy problems. Uh, so like my first week, I'm, I'm not a behavioral health uh, educated person. I, I flew helicopters in the army. I just wanted to get involved. So like my first two weeks, I, I tried to find an answer. I was like, maybe it's this, maybe it's this. And then my boss would keep on coming back. It's like, no, no, they did studies about that. It's not related. Uh, or maybe it could be related, but just, you know, on the fringe or maybe isolated. Um, that, that's really that kind of the conundrum, right? It's like, why are veterans um, twice as likely to die by suicide? And that's our mission. Our mission for Stop Soldier Suicide is to reduce veteran suicide to civilian parity by 2030. So at 2030, our goal is to shut our doors and veterans be no greater risk for suicide than their civilians. Yeah, because at that point, I mean, tragically, you know, suicide will still continue, but hopefully there's not a connection with one's military service as it pertains to the inclination to commit suicide. Is that safe to say? Yeah, I mean, suicide has been a societal uh it's been part of societals for thousands of years since yeah. the Greeks and Romans. Um, yeah, I mean, the goal is that. But obviously, you know, there's something more. pertaining to their military service that. And that's, is, e that's even tough to define, too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, tr you know, suicide is very, like I said, it's very difficult to pin down. It could be trauma related from childhood trauma, mm. it could be uh, trauma related to a car accident, a multitude of things. Uh, or it could be trauma from war. You know, if you look at the 1980s, veterans were half as likely to die by suicide than their civilian counterparts. It's really uh, 2006 that 18 to 35-year-old veterans have doubled in the rate of uh, dying by suicide. Is it something pertaining to the way wars are fought or the reasons that uh, Americans fight in wars today versus, you know, pre-1980? Uh, I mean, that's an interesting question. Um, really the only thing that you could potentially point to for how wars are fought are the prevalence of TBIs, uh, you know, tra traumatic brain injuries from roadside bombs. Uh, but if you look at the research, uh, you know, 
brain injuries from high explosives started around World War One. Yeah, because uh, that was really the first war that we used high explosives. So World War One, World War Two, Korea, Vietnam. You know, there's the prevalence of TBIs after that, and I would say especially the the post 9/11 conflict that we had. Um, there there was a significant amount of hazard due to TBIs, and a combat um, a combat veteran with a TBI is four times as likely to die by suicide than a combat veteran without a TBI. So there's there's some factors that pertain and correlate. And there are others that are just really complicated, um, and we're just trying to get to the bottom of it. All right. So your goal is basically to be out of a job in by 2030. Uh, and Correct. So talk about more about the, the work that Stop Soldier Suicide is doing. And once again, I'm joined here on Buzz for Good by Chuck Eastman, who's the Director of Strategic Partnerships for Stop Soldier Suicide, a national organization. Uh, what is the work that you are doing to try to be out of a job in seven years? Well, I, I think uh, a little historical context is helpful. So we were founded uh, 13 years ago now, it's crazy to say that, uh, by three veterans that served together. Uh, one of the veterans came back from a particularly kinetic deployment in the Korongal River Valley, where he spent 15 months in daily troops and contact. And he came back and within six months, he lost more guys to suicide than he did to combat operations. Oh uh, so they founded Stop Soldier Suicide, and these three guys literally bought a 1-800 number, sat in a couch, and would take phone calls uh, from veterans and services and other organizations. And we have evolved over the years to the point where we developed our scientific advisory committee that helped design and uh, build out our service model, which is really one of a kind and unique uh, to what it is today, using all evidence-based practices specific to suicide prevention. Um, and we're... It, it, we're so thrilled to say that we've served over 4,000 clients and we haven't lost any current or former clients to suicide. And we have a 97% graduation rate with um, um, with uh, stable results. So like, like I said, I, I came here three years ago with no mental health background, no training in any of it. And I'm still here three years later because it works. I would refer family and friends if I needed to because I've seen the benefits and I've seen... I've seen the people come out the other side with like a new lease on life. Mm -hmm. You know, people that are suicidal, you know, they they have hopelessness and isolation and they don't feel like life is worth living or they may be going through so much pain that they don't want to die, but they don't want to keep living through what they're currently living through. So to see people come out the other side of that and to have a new lease on life is just, it's really inspiring. Um, and I'm just so excited that, you know, we can continually expand and scale um, and reach even more veterans throughout the years. Well, walk me through the process. You know, if let's say I'm a veteran who is having some suicidal thoughts and I find out about stop soldier suicide and I call the number or I go to the website, what happens? Sure. So there's a couple of different ways. Uh, if you're a veteran uh, and if I uh, any veteran, regardless of period served, regardless of discharge service, or I'm sorry, discharge status, uh, we're 100% free and 100% confidential. Uh, you can call our 24-7 number of 844-235-2764. Okay. And that is manned 24-7. And that is a 24-7 crisis line where uh, a real person will answer the phone 24-7. And they will do a brief screener to determine if they're in acute crisis that may need additional intervention 
Uh, but for the most part, we take down their contact information uh, and then we'll reach back out to them within 24 business hours uh, to schedule their first session with a wellness coordinator. Uh, from there, a wellness coordinator will do a risk assessment and develop a crisis response plan, a safety plan. And depending on risk, they'll be enrolled in one of our um, uh, therapeutic or evidence-based therapeutic programs specific for suicide prevention. The other method is they can uh, go to stopsoldiersuicide.org. And there's a big red button in the upper right that says get help. After they click get help, it'll say, is this for you or for another person? If it's for you, uh, you click the information or you click the button, fill out some information, and you'll get a call back within 15 minutes from the same 24-7 crisis line. And wow. then from there, it's all the same. Mm -hmm. And then there's also a third-party option. So if you're a family member and you you are concerned about a loved one that is exhibiting concerning signs that could potentially lead to uh, suicide, they can click that uh third party option. And then the process is kind of the same. We'll reach back out to them. And because of privacy reasons, we can't proactively reach the veteran, but we can talk to the family member or loved one, provide them resources, talk them through what they're going through, and then hopefully be able to get consent from their loved one. And then we can enroll them in our process. And then uh, we'll stay with them as long as needed. Our average that we stay with a veteran is eight and a half months. Uh, we've had veterans stay with us for up to two years with uh, zero bills and zero reporting requirements. So all this is free of charge to the veterans whom you serve? 100% free. And any any program we refer them to will also be free. So we all make sure that all our programs are vetted. Uh, for mm -hmm. quality services that don't charge the veterans. And on the occasion that they do charge a veteran, uh, or if the veteran has some unique financial needs, uh, we'll do a case-by-case -case analysis to uh, to figure that out and make it work. And all this is supported by donations, grants, what? Yes, it's primarily through donations. Um, if you follow Stop Soldier Suicide on uh, Facebook, that's probably our largest uh, platform mm -hmm. with about 600,000 followers. Um, you know, there's, there's grants, uh, that we pursued. There's uh, individual donor monthly recurring revenue, uh, but it's all all by donations. And like our CEO said years ago, and it really resonated with me. It's like we set the vision, and our partners and uh, the community sets the pace. Like we want to save, you know, twenty three hundred veterans per year. That's the that's the math for what we'd have to meet our goal by twenty thirty. So that's our goal. Uh, and it's really, um, it's, it's the public's and, um, you know, organizations ability to be able to donate and contribute to that, to help us get there faster. Does it make you frustrated, angry, or any emotion that there have to be nonprofits that provide such services for veterans, that these are not just kind of embraced by our government, who in some respects kind of put our veterans in this position by deploying them to wars overseas. So I don't, I don't know that frustration is the word that I would use. Okay. Um, you know, the the VA takes a lot of flack for some of their services, and I I'll be the first to tell you that some of those stories are true. I happen to be very lucky with my VA service; some of the best healthcare I've ever had. Um, however. There are some that don't get that experience um, and they become very frustrated with the bureaucracy and the delays and in getting the service that they need. Um, I'm mostly 
I'm, I'm mostly really sad um, that after all these sacrifices, all this time spent overseas, all this time away spent from family, like I have 17 combat deployments. I spent away three years away from my family in combat zones. And it's just really sad that after all that, I would get to the point of being so hopeless and so isolated that I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to see something better and something worth living for. Um, so, it, but I mean, the reality is that life happens sometimes and people end up some really tight spots, whether it be financial relationship or substance use or homelessness, there's just a lot of factors that contribute to it. So it's, it's more than just, you know, what the government put us through or what the VA is or isn't doing. There's just so much that goes into it that, you know, makes me sad that people that I fought alongside, you know, they come out the other side and they just don't see anything worth living when we, we put so much effort and energy into fighting a war. Well, once again, joined here on Buzz for Good by Chuck Eastman, who's the director of strategic partnerships with Stop Soldier Suicide. And once again, please provide the contact information for those who are listening in. Absolutely. So it's stopsoldiersuicide.org. Uh, and if there's any veteran out there that is thinking about needing help uh, or they're kind of sitting on the fence, just click that get help button and we can walk you through it. And if you're not at risk, we can we can determine that and we can find you a resource. But if you are, we can put you in good hands uh, and we can get you out the other side um, in a better state. And you also have a toll free number, which is correct. It's 844-235-235. 2764. Well, Chuck, here we are, Memorial Day. And um, what parting thoughts do you have as far as or, or reflections on the service of veterans uh, that's maybe been shaped by your work with Stop Soldier Suicide? Well, I'll say that Memorial Day is one of those one of those holidays that can be a little extra triggering uh, for veterans. It it reminds them of their loss of their friends. It reminds them of their service uh, and what they gave up on their life. And uh, it's just sometimes a particularly tough holiday, whether that be through um, remembrance or services or whatever it may be. Um, and that's okay. Um, it's okay. Those are normal feelings and those are healthy feelings to remember your loved ones, to remember the ones you served with. Um, but life is worth living and we can help if they're in a tough spot, we can help them get up to the other side. Um, and it's it's really, you know, helping to reduce the stigma of, you know, mental health and suicidality. It's just, it it is what it is. And there are resources out there. And I just, I happen to believe in stop soldier suicide uh, immensely. So if there's any difficulty 24 seven this weekend, if you want to just talk to somebody, they can give us a call and uh, we can work through it together. Well, Chuck Eastman with Stop Soldier Suicide, thanks so much for coming to Buzz for Good and sharing more about your work helping veterans here on this Memorial Day weekend. Thanks so much, Michael. I really, really appreciate the opportunity. I wish everybody a, a blessed Memorial Day. And that is all for today's Buzz for Good. Please stay connected with us throughout the week through our website, buzzforgood.com, as well as our social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube, all at Buzz for Good. 
I hope this Memorial Day weekend, we all take a moment to not only thank the veterans in our lives, but also ensure that they have the resources they need to continue living fulfilling lives. And let's make sure that we thank the nonprofits that work each day to be a buzz for good for our veterans.